This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, March 7th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Mitt Romney may have won the battle, but the war for control of the Republican Party is far from over. Troubling is the fact that the apparent consensus choice for not Mitt Romney is Rick Santorum, who is openly hostile to libertarian ideas. John Samples, director of the Cato Institute's Center for Representative Government, offers his thoughts. What are the big takeaways as you see it uh, for libertarians watching Super Tuesday? For libertarians, that uh, I guess there's the sort of slow reality that Mitt Romney is going to be the nominee of the Republican Party. Um, and it depends on what the alternative is in, in your estimate of that. Uh, the next alternative seems to be Rick Santorum. So I think most libertarians would probably say if they had to make that choice – that Mitt Romney's uh, better than the candidate who is explicitly and self-consciously anti-libertarian. But Romney has avoided essentially the kinds of uh, traps that would do away with his nomination at this point. In other words, he was not beaten decisively in Michigan. He won Michigan and he didn't lose Ohio. He's managed to pull out a small victory. So he doesn't seem to be a candidate that attracts much enthusiasm, but he seems to be able to do well enough. And on the delegate side, he's going the organization and he'll have enough support to slowly. As you note that uh, Rick Santorum is actively anti-libertarian uh, and Mitt Romney owes uh, a lot of his success to uh, organization, to uh, the fact that he was doing it four years ago. Uh, and that he was essentially the guy who came in second last time. Uh, But for Santorum, it seems as if he's the consensus alternative uh, to Mitt Romney, which I think should be pretty troubling. Well, I think he has become the consensus alternative. It's not clear that uh, how much of a role luck played in that. Uh, Certainly, he was able – both he and Gingrich were able to attract uh, enough funding to continue the race. Um, And there does go to this question of what conservatism means and certainly many people seem to be voting for Sandorum in the Republican primaries because they think he is a true conservative. Now, that leads us, I think, to this interesting column by Ross Douthat uh, in the New York Times where he says basically, you know, Santorum may lose the battles here but yet win the war. That is, the Republican Party may become the Santorum Party. And what he means by that is what I would think of as big government conservatism. That is, Santorum supports a really active government to help blue-collar workers. That's the kind of short version of it. But an active government and certainly not a free market uh, set of policies. On the economic side and then, of course, on the cultural side, big government again to uh, support and foster uh, the uh, cultural preferences of Mr. Santorum and his supporters. So I thought I'd go look at a a study by a political scientist named James Stimson, just been published, to find out, you know, what can we, how many conservatives like that are there out there, these big government conservatives? And Stimson's data tells me that uh, probably about 10% of the population is uh, anti-free market and pro-cultural conservative. 
there's another 4% of these people that Stimson finds who, are, who identify themselves as liberals but have the basic anti-free market, pro-cultural conservatism uh, outlook. Uh, but, but they identify as liberals. So I don't really count those among the, the Santorum party as it were because these people are very unlikely I think to vote for Santorum or a similar candidate in an election. So you have to wonder what's that like comparatively speaking uh, compared to other numbers. About 13 percent of the population is consistent liberals. Uh, uh, something like in the area of 14, 15 percent of the population support free market policies, according to survey data. Uh, I think the real problem with uh, Duthat's idea that about the Santorum party of the GOP of the future is that, you know, when you look at it, only about, uh, Stimson says, about 17 percent of the country are culturally conservative in one way or the other. Uh, so really you have to think that how much appeal is that going to have to more than 80 percent or so of the society? And I, I think cultural conservatism is one of those things that attracts some people. And again, we maybe 20 percent of the population or less. But the effects on others are, I think, uh, not attractive. I, I don't think it's a, a winning combination in that sense. In the way that free market par, uh, policies that promise and deliver uh, welfare, you know, grow, economic growth and so on, uh, really don't bring out that sort of uh, uh, revulsion. Uh, so I, the data suggests we've got a very small group of people in the country and it's the real question is how much appeal do they have to a much larger group that are not as ideologically consistent? And I think the answer is probably not much. Leaving Newt Gingrich aside, you're welcome. Uh, what does this say for Ron Paul? Well, Ron Paul continues uh, to be now in the range of 8 to 12 percent. Uh, he continues to go forward. He has uh, both support and enthusiasm uh, from volunteers. He attracts a certain part of the GOP base. Uh, and I think this is – he has gone in this year and libertarianism in the party has gone this year from being uh, sort of a marginal figure that didn't do very well to a figure that has put this on the agenda for the future, right? Uh, libertarianism, uh, a more consistent libertarianism and – so the, this ball will have to be taken by others and run with, but I think there's been a, a, a good – this has been worth doing for sure uh, on the Paul side. Um, my numbers suggest that something like um, maybe a third or more of people who identify as conservatives are, are in that area of uh, – not Paul supporters necessarily, but uh, are – free market oriented, free market policies. So it's a substantial part also of the, uh, of the Republican base, I would guess, when you add all, uh, other factors. Um, so I think he's made a breakthrough, not a you know, final move, but an incremental move that is in fact a, not just one step forward but more than one steps in what might be a much more Libertarian Party in the future. It's troubling, though, to to see uh, to look at numbers on conservatives and who they are, and how many conservatives support free market policies, 
and see that that number is pretty low. Well, I, I guess I, if I had to just uh, um, put it down, uh, generally speaking, I would say you know, 35, 40 percent of the country identifies as conservatives. About a third of those support free market policies. A third support cultural conservatism but don't support free market policies. And then weirdly, and this if you don't know public opinion data, this will sound strange to you, about a third of the people who say they are conservative to surveys, uh, basically when you ask them other questions, support uh, liberalism on uh, economic policies and on cultural matters. So a number of people who say they're conservative are actually – the only reason you have to think that is they tell you because otherwise they look like liberals. So many of these people uh, identify good things with the word conservative and, and yet hold opinions that don't jibe with most conceptions of that term? Yes. It's also true of liberals. About uh, one-fifth of liberals or a little over one-fifth um, – basically have uh, conservative views uh, on policy matters. That's the wonderful thing about the Stimson uh, work is that he just doesn't ask you about your political philosophy. He asks you about policy questions. So you, you can measure how to what extent people have consistent views or what they actually believe about policies to the extent that uh, public opinion can do that. John Samples is director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government. He's also author of The Struggle to Limit Government. You can get your copy at Cato.org.